All right, well, just in case you didn't get many out at your tables, um, I did bring a list of my favorite momisms, and my children helped with some of these. Um, I have not used them all, but I think that it's kind of fun. Um, this too shall pass. Any of your mothers ever say that to you? Um, we look with our eyes, not our hands. I've used that. Um, the uh, just do it because I'm your mother is on here. Uh, it takes fewer muscles to smile than frown. Um, engage your brain before you put your mouth in gear, um, which is always fun with teenagers. Your face is going to freeze like that someday. I certainly heard that. So just um, some fun things to, uh, to share as we think about being mothers and the things we say and the things we do. And you guys need more? Okay. Yeah, and here's, I'll just leave some extras. All right, so there are extras if we run out. Well, let me just introduce myself. My name's Antoinette Davis. Um, my husband, Barry, and I have been married for 25 years. Uh, we have two teenage daughters. Um, and the teen years remind me a lot of the two-year-old years. Um, I told someone this morning that I think if you learn well when they're two, you're going to be ready when they're teens because so much of it comes back. But um, I do love the teenage years. I love the toddler years. Um, being a mom has been a joy for me, but it's been the hardest job I've ever had next to um, being a wife. Um, and I put those both kind of up there because uh, I consider them both full-time jobs. Um, my husband and I have been at Watermark, I guess, about five years and um, have just really grown and been blessed here. So it'll be fun to spend this morning to you guys, with you guys um, just talking about growing a heart, a servant's heart in your sweet little people. Um, service is something that I'm very passionate about. It's been a lifelong journey with my girls, um, for Barry and I, when they were very young, we saw developing a servant's heart as really um, something God pressed on us. Um, that living in Dallas and um, being resource-blessed like most of us are here, that that was just going to be a battle for us. It is a battle for Barry and I personally um, just to keep that servant's heart. And so God just really pressed on us that that was just going to be a journey. We were never going to graduate from um, service school, but we were going to always be on that path to um, really work at it. Um, so this morning I just have um, really um, a, a walk through what I think have been, um, and talking with lots of friends and other moms, um, the ways that we feel like have been the best in terms of the, the fruit we're seeing now, the things that worked when our little ones were toddlers and preschoolers. So I have that to share with you, and then I just want to talk about what are you guys doing. So I've built lots of discussion into our morning um, so you guys can talk about what are you doing to create a servant's heart in your little people? What do you think is working? And where are you seeing no fruit, even in your two- or three-year-old, if you can see fruit? And um, our scripture for the day, and I think you guys got these red cards. I just want to read it because I think this is um, what God is calling us to do, and it's, it is a tremendous challenge. But um, I've taken the liberty of changing a few words in this scripture um, and so hopefully you are accepting of that. But, um, for I was hungry, and your son gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and your daughter gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and your child invited me into your home. I needed clothes, and your family clothed me. I was sick, and your mother looked after me. I was in prison, and you and your children came to visit me. And that's Matthew 25, 35 to 36. And that's what I want to hear 
when I stand before the Lord is that I did a good job with my children. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Hopefully you guys have a handout. If you didn't, I have some extras, and I know there are extras in the back. Um, You don't have to write anything down. You won't hurt my feelings, but if you want to, um, you can use the handout, and um, or you can just sit and relax um, and participate. Um, And let me just start by talking about... um, you know, that I believe that a big part of developing a heart of service in our children is just that momism, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And some of us heard that from our moms, you know, if it's going to be, you got to do it, sweetie. Um, if it's going to be, it's up to me. So we're going to start really with some stuff on us and how we behave and what we're doing and what that um, looks like to our children. Um, you know, Paul commanded us in Galatians to serve one another in love And um, service doesn't just enrich our lives, but it really draws us closer to God. God is not after our performance. He's after our presence with him. And serving others puts us in his feet. It it forces us to walk in his shoes and see people and others the way he loves them and the way he created them to be. So our challenge as moms, then, is to raise, you know, um, teens and young adults and then into adulthood Um, Children who are not just someday, sometime, whenever it feels good or looks good, servants, but really young adults, teens, toddlers, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, who just everyday acts of kindness, who are just kind, thoughtful, um, caring, compassionate people. And so that's the journey we're going to go on, which sounds, you know, so easy, um, but we all know it's really hard. And so we'll talk about that. Now, I just want to tell you, too, that um, a disclaimer, um, I do not have perfect children. Some of you know my children, and you would say, well, they can be pretty selfish, and they can be pretty materialistic. They are teenagers. And you know what? You can say the same thing about me, too. I mean, we are works in progress. So just be encouraged today. I also will share a story with you. When um, When my oldest daughter went to kindergarten, I tried to really hard do everything right, you know, as a kindergarten mom. Signed up for the PTA and did all the right things. And I went to hear a speaker, a great Christian woman, talk about reading to your children. And she talked about every day before dinner from 5 to 6 p.m., she read for an hour to her children. And that they would sit on the couch and she would read these classical books and Christian missionary stories. I mean, doesn't that sound wonderful? All right, so I leave there thinking, I have got to read to my children. Well, in my house, we called the hour from like 4 to 6 the arsenic hours. They weren't pretty in my house. I mean, I had hungry, tired children. I am not the best, like from 4 to 6. That's when I really would like to nap, um, actually. It's my, kind of my natural siesta time, but I don't get to. Um, you know, my husband's running in from work. Anyway, so I went home and... and we are going to read. Get on the couch. I mean, I'm tying my children down. They are not wanting to read. I am grouchy. This is not pretty. And um, so I complain about this to one of my sweet girlfriends. In fact, she's in my, our community group, she and her husband. But I tell her, I am, how are you doing with that reading thing? Because I am struggling. And she just starts laughing at me. And she says, did you pray about it? Well, No. That lady told me to do it, so I just went and did it. She said, did you talk to Barry about it? I said, no, I just told him that we're having reading hour. Could he be home by 5? Because I'd like him to be there too. 
And she said, you know, <laughs> which wasn't happening. And uh, she said, Did you, do you know anything about our speaker? And I said, no. And she said, well, she has a full-time housekeeper who cooks dinner every night while she reads. And so suddenly the big light bulb comes on. And, you know, what did the Lord teach me that day? I cannot compare myself to other mothers. I can learn from them. I can take great ideas. I can incorporate what the Lord convicts me I need to be doing. But unless I'm really walking in someone else's shoes, I really don't know how they make it happen in everything. So I'm going to give you lots of examples today and talk about lots of things. But I want you to be encouraged. No one does all of these things. They, couldn't, they wouldn't have time to do the other things in their life. Um, nor have I done them all, and nor am I seeing all of the fruit in every way so far. So be encouraged, but don't think that um, anyone has to do all these things or they won't be doing them. So don't learn the hard way like I did and um, just drive your family completely crazy, which I do frequently. That is an area I'm working on. <laughs> so three things specifically we're going to talk about. We're going to start by talking about character traits of a servant heart. What are the specific things we're really looking at in training our children? And I just, you know, I'm one of those people, I just need a couple basics. You just give me a few things because I get real overwhelmed when I try to, you know, I'm working on 15 character traits. No, I mean, just give me one a month, and I'm um, pretty good. We're also going to talk about stewardship of time, talents, and treasures, and just what does that look like for a preschooler? I mean, what can they share now, and how do you kind of grow them in that sharing? Um, and then we're t- going to talk about just modeling the master. What are ideas for your family? What are you guys doing in terms of engaging, if you already are, your children in service? Um, what are you doing that your little ones can just kind of watch and learn from? And then what are other thoughts? So those are kind of the three areas we're going to go in. I am going to engage you guys and get you talking, so hopefully this is the most I'm talking at this first part this morning. All right, well, what are the character traits we're talking about? I'm, I am boycotting PowerPoint, by the way. I decided that I am just kind of on PowerPoint overload, so I went with flip charts today, which my girls were laughing at me <laughs> because they, and the reason I'm boycotting PowerPoint is I have high schoolers, and they do everything is in PowerPoint. And, I mean, they are so far beyond my, I mean, they're doing digital graphics classes where they're designing the moving graphics for their PowerPoints. So my 15-year-old says, well, do you need help with your PowerPoint? And that's when I just said, I'm boycotting PowerPoint. I'm going back to simplicity. We're having flip charts because I can do those in five minutes. So I hope you all enjoy the non-PowerPoint. It was a freeing thing for me and to not have my uh, 15-year-old doing it. So my 17-year-old is not really a computer girl. So she was glad to see the flip chart. The, the, um, the 15-year-old is all about technology. All right, let's talk about character traits and really what are the things that begin to be the seeds for um, a servant's heart in our itty-bitties. And the first one is empathy. Um, and that's really the key to compassion, is starting to teach your little bitties um, that what they see is a feeling, and what the response is is whatever God would want us to do with that feeling. It is a baby crying and your three-year-old mom, the baby's crying, okay? That's the seed of compassion. 
my three-year-old is bothered by that baby crying. So, what, you know, why, why does the baby cry? What do we need to do? We need to take care of it. So it is starting to help your little ones understand that empathy and compassion are really the seeds of a servant's heart. Um, you know, I can think of a lot of great adults who don't have the seed of compassion, and they're not motivated to help others. They may be very honest people. They may have lots of integrity. But the seed of compassion is really what moves us to do something about it. Like, you know, when a baby cries, if it's not our baby, to actually pick it up and love on it and hug on it. Um, so empathy is, and I've given you the, a textbook definition here, um, the ability to recognize and understand another person's perceptions and feelings and to accurately convey that understanding through an accepting response. And the, the ability to have empathy exists in all of us. There's been a lot of research done on preschoolers, and what they find is preschoolers whose, whose empathy and compassion are fostered, which means their moms see it and say, oh, sweetheart, that was so sweet that you cared about that. Those children are much more likely to kind of grow really that area, just like any other thing that you see your child do and you praise them. Those are the things that they really foster and bloom in. So um, successful empathy training, you know, no matter where you are, at home, at school, elsewhere, is really about helping your children understand their feelings and putting action around those feelings. Um, so let's just talk about where does most of that come from. Well, it really comes from you and how a lot of things happen in your home. And so here's just kind of a laundry list, um, and this is at the bottom of page one. And I have put on the bottom that an ounce of mama is worth a pound of clergy. That was a, you know, a mamaism that I heard sometimes, um, but it's so true. I mean, an ounce of what we do can make such an impact versus our children hearing it from others. So here are things that you can do to help your little ones develop compassion. And I just kind of drew them on that, but... The first one is about, um, well, I'll, let's start with patience. All right, so I'm driving in my car, and there's a car in front of me, and it's going a little too slow, and I'm honking, and what happens? I whip around, and my children look over and say, gosh, Mom, that driver looks just like Grandma. And off we go, and I'm thinking, oh, all right, no compassion there. What if I just taught my child that I'm impatient, that I'm not caring, that I'm not thinking about others. So patience teaches our children that we do care about others, that we put others first, and they're watching. Um, think about how you act in the line at the grocery store. You know, you're in the 15-item or less line, and the lady in front of you has 20 items, if you count them. Right? And how you respond to that, your little one is watching and processing. Hmm, mom's a little irritated about the lady in front of her in the, in the line. Mom may even be counting. Sweetheart, let's practice our math skills. Let's count those, those items, <laughs> right? Whatever happens, but it's the patience that we show that our little ones pick up on. Um, apologizing, um, you know, when we do get angry um, at our husbands or each other or um, our little ones, apologies are a great way to teach compassion, especially when we say, I'm so sorry I did that because I know it hurts your feelings. So our little ones learn. Or when they have to apologize and you, you know, you, when they're itty-bitty, you're holding them and you walk them up and you say, you know, let's look at your friend Bill in the eyes 
and let's apologize and you maybe make them hug to explain the reason we're apologizing is because we care about her feelings, sweetie. Um, not because I, I want to humble you or anything else. It's really a compassion that we care more about that person's feelings than anything else at this minute. Um, gentleness, um, praying, assuming the best about others, all of these build um, compassion. I have, I have my little book here. I know you guys are great readers. Um, I just brought some um, books, you know, that I enjoy. Um, you know, here are the VeggieTale guys sharing the year together, what they can do. The Bernstein Bears are hurrying to help. I mean, all these books, you know, that you look with, you read with your sweet little ones, even if the title is not, you know, Love Your Neighbor, um, which is so fun, Because of You. I love the Max Lucado books. These were some of my girls' favorites. The, you know, Your Special Gift. You, you know, God did create you to sh- share something with other people. But even just any book you pick up at the library with your little ones to say, who did something nice in that book? you know, when you close it, uh, and just to have that conversation with them afterwards to just add the bonus of where was compassion and empathy in that book? What happened that was nice? Um, I'm a big advocate of this one. The people, the plants, and the, or the pets, the plants, and the planet. Um, I have watched my daughters learn more about compassion um, through animals. And let me just tell you, I was raised in a family where all the animals lived outside, um, and I have learned to overcome that. Um, my husband's still on that journey. He's not quite there with me. But I have just watched pets and animals teach my girls amazing things about compassion. And um, so I have two stories to share with you. The first is, here is the, um, any of you familiar with the, the Texas Squirrel Rescue Society? Um, because I am, um, right, unfortunately or fortunately, because my girls got these great blessings. This is from my daughter's scrapbook, and you'll notice squirrel is spelled wrong. She was six um, when she did this picture, but um, and it's just taped on there. But um, when she was, my oldest was six, my youngest was seven, um, five, we found what I thought was a baby rat in the backyard. What I didn't know is that squirrels have no fur when they're born, and they all look like rats. And I don't really like rats. or my, I really don't like any snakes, rats. I'm just in that category. But being the bold, brave mother I am and trying to teach my children that God makes all creatures, uh, we rescued the squirrel, and I stayed up all night with Pedialyte and an eyedropper nursing a squirrel with a 5-year-old and a 6-year-old. And the next day, because I did not want this squirrel to die on me, I found the Squirrel Rescue Society in Little Elm, Texas, and took the squirrel to the rescuers. Now, you might think that I am nuts, and, you know, maybe I am. But, you know, I think all mothers, something clicks sometimes, and you do things you never thought you would, right? Am I, okay, y'all are there with me. Okay, this was one of those moments that now I look back and say, what was I doing before, I would have said I'd never do that, but my girls got to go to this squirrel rescue place. This lady had all these squirrels. We got to hold the squirrels, pet the squirrels, crawl up the squirrels. It wasn't good for me, but for my daughters, it taught them that every creature really is made by God, 
every creature has a lifespan because that squirrel did not make it ultimately. Um, it had been pushed out of its nest on purpose by the mother because it, it did have something going on. But anyway, my girls learned compassion, which I never thought about. But they still talk about the squirrel in certain contexts. And I'm like, okay, God, it's a God kiss for me. It's like you did something right with that squirrel. You didn't want to go there, but you did it. Um, and it happened. Another animal story I have is that um, one day my seven-year, Morgan was seven at this time, is screaming in her bedroom. There is a rat in my swimming pool, and there is a hawk in, in her, outside of her front window. And um, so I'm thinking, you hawk, rat, hawk, rat, which way are you going to go? Let's just jump in the car and go to school. You know, let's just pretend nothing is out. And so this angry hawk is in my front yard just squawking and hopping. And there's a dead rat and another hawk in my backyard. The, the, uh, so what I learned is that this hawk in my front yard is injured. Its mate has dropped a rat and missed the front yard, and it has fallen in my pool. And so I do choose to go drive carpools. And I just hope that God takes these pets and it, they're gone. When I get home and the, maybe the pool guy comes, which we didn't have a pool guy, but I was hoping maybe my husband would get the rat and it would be gone. Um, but that did not happen. And so the next day, um, I am loading my younger one. Morgan's already gone to school. I'm loading Katie in the car. We're backing up the driveway. And that darn hawk is sitting on my trash can. I mean, and he is big and I'm backing up and I could just hear the Lord say it's another opportunity you've got to do something I mean something is wrong and here's Katie saying mom there is something wrong with that bird and I'm thinking yes there is so let's go to school um you know drive quickly um but she says we got we helped that squirrel we got to save that bird and I mean hawks are big so I said well let's just get out of the car and see what happens and so we get out of the car, and we chase the hawk, and we put it in a laundry basket, and we load it into the car with us. And she's holding the hawk on her lap with a towel over the top of the laundry basket. And, um, yeah, yeah, I don't always think things through. That's, that's part of my problem. And um, so I call my, the vet. You know, I'm like, hey, I got this bird. Um, can I bring it there? Well, I didn't know it's a federal offense to have a hawk. And so my vet is saying, Antoinette, where'd you get the hawk? I'm like, found the hawk in my backyard, got it in the laundry. He's like, you've really got to make sure you're clear because I got a call, Fish and Game. They're going to meet you at the, the vet. I'm like, listen, I can't make up a better story than this. I really got the, He was worried that I had bought it like at a fair or something like that. <clears throat> so I drop Katie off at school. She gets to show everyone the hawk. Her whole class comes out. They see the hawk. I'm driving to Plano from... Lover's Lane, the hawk comes out of the laundry basket, is sitting by me on the seat. The good news is the hawk was really dehydrated. I didn't really know that until the vet came out and got the hawk because I, I jumped out of the car and just left it in there. Um, anyway, long story. I'm sorry, but um, here's the value in that. So my girls, a couple years later, go to the McKinney Nature Center on their field trip. Guess who's there? Their hawk. He had, had, he had separated his chest muscle from his rib cage, could never fly again, but that was the hawk. And the guy at the nature center, and I'm, I'm chaperoning the field trip, says, you know, some family found this hawk, and they drove it to their vet. And 
Morgan's looking at me like, that's our hawk. That's our hawk. So, but what they learn is that, you know, we can make a difference with God's creatures. We can, I mean, and that's the blessing. You know, sometimes God shows us when we did the right thing. Because if I had ignored the hawk, it, would have, it was dehydrated. That's why I could catch it. The vet's like, this is not a normal hawk. You know, it's about to, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't doing well. And I was not giving that hawk Pedialyte. I mean, I was driving the hawk up. But, you know, it is, let your children take care, you know, one time find the stray and really do call about it. Um, plant some tomatoes and let your little ones water the tomato plant and pick the fruit and, you know, break up the soil so the food gets in there. Um, okra was the best growing plant we ever tried. I mean, I had so much okra. My children now like okra. Um, so if you want a plant that you can't kill, but really look at, you know, what is out of my natural area but maybe God's way of blessing us with something, because mine would never have been animals. I have a bird now. The darn thing is 10 years old. I have, you know, the dog. Everyone's in the house. We've had guinea pigs. But God just really taught me that my children can learn so much through things that I really don't even want to go there. Um, so pick things that your children, you know, will learn a lesson from about God's creatures, all things great and small. He calls us to care for um, and teaches us about the lifespan. All right, how you resolve conflict. All these things on this list are going to help you um, teach your little ones about compassion. And so much of it is about how we behave. But here's the list on page two of really Christ. Because um, I always go back and say, okay, but what does the Bible tell us? about compassion. So here are the beautiful examples to go to the Word and see um, Christ, um, who was really the model of compassion, just drew from his relationship with the Father. I mean, praying for God to give you and your children a heart for whatever. And your children may end up with a really different heart for something else than what you have. And to be recognizing that. I mean, my kids, they, God has given them one of my children, a heart, a mercy is her spiritual gift. That is not my giftedness. And that has taught me so much as I've seen her walk and him develop her. And she still has a ton to go. But just to have that gift of mercy in our home. And what does that mean? Um, so just praying that you see those things early and you can really partner with the Lord once your children have their spiritual gifts, but also just what are their talents and their natural inklings. Um, Christ was always motivated by his love for humanity. Now, I've told you some animal stories. In our family, we are very clear. It is people first, then pets, then things. I mean, you know, we've had to teach, you know, I've, I've tried to convince my children that that is, kind of God's hierarchy. I mean, there are more stories about Christ helping people. You know, he, he didn't really do a lot for animals. And so we spend our time on people. And that's only because I have a child that wants to spend all of her money to save the whales or to, um, you know, become a vegetarian. And, you know, all of that's fine, sweetie. You can do all of that. But remember, it's people before animals. Um, and so that's, I've tried to, in our family, that is the priority that we have said. Um, Christ certainly didn't judge, condemn, or consider whether other people were worthy to receive his aid. Um, and so we try to take our children 
into some environments where they are uncomfortable. And, of course, I have teenagers. That's the time for that. But even kind of when they're a little bit out of the preschool years, to begin taking them into some areas where it's just different, and they're going to learn that people are different, and that's okay. God created us all. We're all different colors. We're different shapes. We have different resources. We live in different areas, and that God made us all that way. Um, Christ met physical and emotional needs as well as spiritual ones. That's why, sweetie, we give food, and that's why we help people with clothes, and that's why, because it, it matters to the Lord. Um, Christ never worried about how he would look by helping, but focused on the person in need. Um, and then Christ always took time to understand the other person's beliefs, backgrounds, hopes, and fears. So it's not just, um, you know, dropping and running, but it's really trying to engage with whoever we're doing service with, which can be important. All right, so if Christ is our perfect example, um, how do we get kitties there? Um, just some thoughts. It's really what your kids see, so it's just demonstrating your own compassion, verbalizing it, talking about it all the time. You know, when you take dinner, and I mean, I'm looking at all the babies. I know y'all are taking dinner to a lot of people. Um, I still take my girls with me whenever I can when we take dinner to someone who's had a baby. And I say to them, I mean, help me make the salad. So they're, you know, doing whatever. And we are taking this meal because this, you know, having a baby, trying to also get my daughters ready, um, because one of them's a fainter. She faints when she gets a shot still at the pediatrician. My 17-year-old, you know, I mean, she just turns green. So I'm trying to do everything I can, getting ready for that. But, I mean, I just say, you know, we are doing this because this person's tired and they're not sleeping and they need our help and we have resources we can help them so help me help them um, so really sharing that and then emphasize and praise any sign of service that you see in your itty bitty any sign so if they tear the lettuce for you at dinner even though an expectation is that we all help praising them for serving mama and using those words Thank you, sweetie, for serving me by putting the forks out at the table. It is great to serve your family. And did you know that when you serve your family, you're serving the Lord? He calls us to love one another and do it in good deeds. Um, any glimpse of compassion. So if, you know, your sweet little Johnny comes and tells you that someone's crying on the playground, to acknowledge that, sweetheart, I'm so glad to see your compassion and calling it what it is. So they start to recognize, okay, it's a good thing when I recognize other people's feelings, even when they're sad, um, and come and tell Mama. Any attempt at sharing or turn-taking, which I know is really hard when you're two or three. Sometimes it's hard when you're 47. Um, so any attempt at that, and then any offers to help. You know, it's the constantly catching them doing things right, which I know that when we get tired and when we get worn down, it's so much easier for us to see what they're not doing right than what they are doing right. But even if I just pray some mornings, Lord, you know, let me catch these teenagers doing everything right today. Let me see everything good that they do for you. And then at dinner saying, hey, what would you all do for someone else today that was nice? My girls kind of say, oh, we don't want to talk about this. But then they think, you know, I force them to think about things, or Barry does, and it gets the good stuff on the table. And as a family, we need to get the good stuff on the table so we can talk about how did it feel, what else can you do, even a three-year-old. How did you help Mommy today, sweetie? Great question for your husband to ask your little ones. How would you help your sisters or your brothers? 
what would you do that was nice today? Um, to make it real specific so they have a chance um, to vocalize it and talk about it. Um, all right, next thing I want to talk about is just this. Um, oh, my flip charts are not flipping. Well, maybe this is why we don't use flip charts anymore. Well, I don't need it. I'll just lay it down until I do. All right, let's talk about... Isn't that funny? Didn't that teach me something? I'll have to pray for that later. All right, let's talk about a godly work ethic. And just a couple things. This is a piece of the servant's heart, a godly work ethic. And I know you guys are doing this diligently. Um, in fact, the introducer talking about, you know, getting your two-year-old to pick up their own blocks. But it does require patience. But just um, here are just some bullets of things to think about and catch your children doing well. Are they conscientious? You know, Titus 2.9, well-pleasing in all things. Are they trying to do things well? Sweetheart, that was so great. I know you were trying to get all those blocks. We missed one, but let's run and get it. Um, being diligent, whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Um, Titus 2.10, not pilfering, that's that whole integrity being honest and being upfront with mama, you know, not getting onto your toddler when they deliver bad news. I just hit, you know, so-and-so, thank you so much for telling me the truth, sweetheart. We'll deal with the behavior in a few minutes, but I'm so glad you told me. Listen, if you don't train them then, when they're teenagers, they are not going to be delivering the bad news, and there is a ton of bad out there in teenage land. Um, you know, you just want them to be reinforced that integrity is good, even if, if, if it's bad news. Um, being peaceful, I love this one, you know, because I pray this one even like sometimes with my husband, not answering back. Um, being respectful to authority um, and using seasoned speech, knowing how you ought to answer each one. You know, we tell our kids, be nice to one another, speak to other people. There it is, Colossians 4, 6. That's what we, we want, seasoned speech in our sweet little ones. So that godly work ethic. I mean, if they have all of that and they have compassion, that's the compassion in action. They're going to understand, I care about someone, and so the, the godly work ethic is what's going to throw them into wanting to do something about it. Number three is just develop an it's-all-God's mentality. Um, and this is hard. Um, just, you know, in God's economy, our time and our money and our resources are not ours. They're not supposed to be ours. Um, we're just really stewards in his earthly kingdom. Um, people who understand that really set themselves up for much more freedom as adults to really do the things that God calls them to do. Um, but it isn't real natural um, for our children to think that everything's really God's. It's not theirs. And we see this early. I mean, even little people are hoarders, aren't they? I mean, they hoard, um, hoard things. I remember my um, daughter once when she was six, I found desserts in her closet. She was hoarding like her leftover banana pudding and her, yeah, and she was eating it too. She'll tell you that today. I mean, we just laugh about it, but she was hoarding leftover desserts. I mean, is that not the grossest thing? So I was like, there's no food problem in our house. We don't really have food issues, um, but we were hoarding food. It just was a great reminder to me that it is our human nature to do this. And I had to really look too and say, what am I putting aside while I was hiding the Christmas cookies and maybe for me later or something. I mean, what was I doing? Say, <laughs> that rings a bell, huh? You know, what was I doing that was caught, you know, maybe even teaching her that that was an acceptable behavior. But 
It was there. Um, so First Peter 4.10, we are to be good stewards of our gifts. And Second um, Corinthians 5.10, we will ultimately be accountable for how we use them. Um, so just like our little ones are accountable to us, they are accountable and we are to the Lord for how we use them. And I constantly tell um, even my teenage girls there. All right, so four kind of things, teaching about compassion and empathy, developing really a godly work ethic in your little one by getting them doing and praising good works when they're diligent and conscientious, when they're honest and upfront about things, um, teaching them that it's all God's mentality. Everything we have is his, whether it's plants or animals or things. Um, And demonstrating discernment and servanthood is really the last one. You know, being wise stewards of our um, resources. All right, so now I have been talking for quite a while. I just want to hear some of the ways that you are teaching servanthood um, with your kids. So here's my, I'll put my question up. If I can find it. Okay. Okay. So, what are some ways that you are currently, because I think we're going to learn more from each other, whoever will, I mean, you guys are some great moms. I know you're trying neat things. What are some ways you are teaching your preschooler to care and put about and put others first? What are you doing? And I'm not looking for huge things. Talk at your tables. But what are the little everyday things you are doing conscientiously to help your children learn that? So take a few minutes, share that, and then I'll ask some of the groups to share what they think um, out. Okay, if we can kind of come back to uh, the full group. And I'd love to hear some of your ideas. And so um, I'm going to tell you that um, if you guys can pick someone to report out, or it can be the person whose birthday is closest to today, either way in the calendar year. So just decide. And I just want to hear your maybe one or two thoughts from each table. And if we hear one or two, we'll get 16 from the group. Things that you guys feel like you're doing that are going well for teaching your little preschoolers um, to be compassionate and to care about others. So do I have a group that would like to go first? Okay, great. Great. Did you guys hear that? Teaching when they have friends or people come over, that girls and guests always go first. So they get to see mommy or the guests eat first or play with toys first or do whatever first is a way to just, um, you know, Teach hospitability, too, which is so important um, for us. Great. All right. Who would, uh, great. Great. And Watermark has the Africa Kids on website now that we can adopt, too, which is um, another opportunity. How fun with the birth date. Great. All right. Another table. Great. Did you guys hear? Could you, everyone hear that? Okay. The bird feeder and um, giving toys. Thank you. Another table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that those firefighters, their job is to help others, sweetie, so they're on their way. And God, you know, created them to do that. They're called to do that. Yeah, great. Other tables. Who is it? Who else? Yeah, Ann. Yeah, great. Good, because kids like to see and touch and feel or hear the siren. You know, anytime we can get their senses involved, 
it's going to dig deeper into their hearts. Yes, back here. Oh, good. Well, you know what? Which really is instead of being on him is making it fun for him. Because you probably don't even have to say it. Probably just do it. <laughs> Into. Yep. Great. All right. Other tables we haven't heard from yet, you guys? All right. Could you guys hear that? Um, a group of them took their little ones, their preschoolers, to a nursing home during visiting hour. And not a program or no structure, or, and they weren't putting on a show, but it was just to socialize and visit and telling them that, you know, some of these elderly are sad, they don't have visitors, and that they were just there to visit and cheer them up. You know, which is really, um, yeah, a great way for a little one to use their, their things. Yeah, absolutely, and it just helps them understand what it is. Yes. Okay, that's a God kiss for you. Okay, that that was a C that came out, and you know I think any time we can see those, and that's really God telling us as moms, you are doing it right. You know, you did something that I'm happy about. So. I like to celebrate those because I think so often we don't. Other things, other groups, did we hear from everyone? Yes. I think that's a momism. Just created your own. Yeah, great. Um, Yes, um, she was talking about how when her two-year-old and four-year-old are bickering, let's say, over a pen or a ball, you know, they'll stop him and say, don't you love your sister more than that ball? Isn't it more important how you treat her than the ball is to get them focused on their love for each other versus the thing they're fighting over? Did I say that correctly? Was that okay? Right. Well, you say, well, that's when the rule comes in. But hopefully, well, sweetie, you know, we do need to share, and I'm so sorry. And um, Right. Yeah, you know, in our house, a lot of things went in what we called toy timeout. They weren't people timeout. It was, you know what, if we're really having an issue about this possession, it is going in timeout. It's not worth the possession, and we would just remove it. And then, you know, when things are going well, maybe we can reintroduce. But, you know, God asked us as adults to do that, to purge our lives of things that become idols, right? And so we got to teach our itty-bitties. Sometimes it's got to go, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It does, but you know what, Whitney? You are training them to think that way, to think nice things about each other. That's the dinner. That's the training at dinner. And it really is. It's all the simple, simple things that we do, and we are planting those seeds. And I just tell you, be encouraged that those those Seeds will develop into fruits of the Spirit as those children grow. Um, great ideas. I hope you got lots of other ones at your table, too. But just be encouraged that all those little things, and you don't have to do everything you heard. Pick one or two that might be new or different for your family and try those. Um, all right, I'm going back to my flip charts. I think I fixed them. All right, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about 
stewardship of resources. So if we focus on planting the right seeds and developing character, empathy, a godly work ethic, discernment, um, it is important to teach our children that we are only stewards of things. We are not the owners. We are only stewards. We are not the owners. Can you tell I have this? That is a mantra. At my house with teenagers, it is so hard. And you know what? It's hard for me. I mean, that's a mantra for me, too, because I would be a really good accumulator of just worthless stuff um, if I wasn't a believer. So um, I do want to talk about this, and I am going to talk a little bit about money, which I know for some people is like, oh, don't go there. But I do believe that our financial resources and teaching our children to use that treasure is a big part of their training in servanthood. I really am convicted of that. So just thinking about, and I'm on page, what page am I on in your handout? Three. Thank you, dears. Um, What can we give? When I talk about stewardship, I'm really thinking of a whole, um, you know, um, a whole slew of things. I'm thinking about um, our time, teaching your child that the time they spend with a friend is a gift to that friend, and that friend's given them a gift, too. Um, Teaching our children that... um, their talents. I mean, if they're a good little ball kicker, that that's a gift to their little soccer team that they can, you know, that that's a talent that God gave them to use for his glory. Everything we have is for his glory. So on that list, I have finances, time, material possessions, our friends, our family, our hobbies, our skills, ability, teaching our children that all of those things is what God asks us to steward. It's not just about money. It's about everything he's given us. My health is a gift from the Lord that I need to steward well and use with people who don't have that gift. Um, My ability to, if you're a great cook, that might be your gift that you share. But using that and teaching our children just that God owns every treasure, we are raising little investment managers. And so how we do that um, will determine how well they steward those resources. So let's just talk a little bit about how we give and then look at some concrete examples. Now, that God is, Jesus is the biblical model. I mean, so I'm going to the Word, and here are the Scripture references to, to focus on teaching your children that all their time, talents, and treasures that we want to give regularly, which may mean giving compliments at dinner to our family. That's a gift, the gift of my thoughts and my feelings. Um, it may be... Um, giving money when we see, or not giving money, but giving food items from our car when we see someone homeless on the street. But regular things so our children see some consistency with that. Um, giving secretly, so we say it's a family secret that we're doing this. Don't tell anyone. You know, to teach your children that service isn't always about, you know, oh, Daddy, we do such and such today, but it's, you know, it's our secret that we're doing this. Um, teaches them that um, sacrificially, based on your earnings, purposefully, and that's where the conversations with your little ones really come. You know, teaching them, Daddy and I and our family give to the church, and here's why we do it, and here's how we do it, and really educating them even early so they understand there's a purpose for why you are serving someone or sharing your talents. There's a purpose for why you're taking those little ones to um, a nursing home. And so that's how they learn purpose in service. Um, we're supposed to give cheerfully. Um, you know, if you are tired and you're not, you have a baby not sleeping through the night, it's probably not the time to go to a nursing home 
or to do something else. I mean, we have to be healthy and take care of yourself. Um, with God's priorities in mind, so that got some laughter with that one, um, and generously. So those are the qualities I'm trying to teach my children that when we give anything, our time, our talents, our treasure, those are the mindsets that the Lord wants us to have with them. So I just have some ideas for you um, on the whole giving thing um, that I'd like to share. First, um, you know, I don't know what you're doing with allowance, and I don't really know what the answer is for that. But I do believe if you are, if your children, when they start touching money, at whatever point that that's when you start teaching them that a portion of that money always goes to God because he is the source of what we have. And in our family, that meant um, we taught our, we started with the tithe, and I know the tithe is Old Testament, but in our family, we just said that's, we're just going to start with that baseline because my kids could, could understand, okay, Old Testament, they're worth a tithe. And so we did teach our kids, okay, you get $2 from Grandpa, okay, Let's use our math skills. We were teaching them math skills. So you know what, sweetie? That 20 cents at least needs to go to God. We'd love for you to give more to God. But we had a God jar in their rooms, and their money went into that jar. And at some point, they could drop it off in their own envelope into the church thing because I think they need to do it. They need to walk up there with their little envelope and put their name on it and drop it in. Um, and I think that's important. Now, we know other families that don't do the, don't set an amount. We know families that say it's 25%, but Barry and I started with 10. It, it just seemed consistent, and now we've had to teach our girls, you know what, the tithe was Old Testament. Now it's about your heart. But, you know, when I was dealing with a four-year-old, they might have decided a penny would be God's, and I'm keeping the $1.99. So we just started with a baseline. Um, but the other thing we did with the money jar is we always had a tax jar, um, which I know some families do and do not do because it was important to us to teach our kids that not everything you get to keep all up or decide for God. So now our kids understand paying taxes, which is good, um, which I did not really understand when I had my first job. I remember like, where is all my money? I thought, you know, what happened to this? So my kids have a tax jar, and they have to put money in the tax jar. And at this point, the tax jar just goes to something fun, some giving thing, a service thing. But they get to decide, you know, when they have enough money. And now they're in, my kids have checking accounts, but they have an allocation for the tax man. Um, they just get to spend it fun, and I tell them those days are numbered. You know, just get ready because that is going to end, sweetie. Um, we also do – in. Um, one of your examples was about this, but we um, do goodie bags, um, the getting ready toys that this table talked about for treasures. Um, you know, 17-year-olds are pack rats, especially when it comes to clothes, and my kids have lots of cousins who are older than them, and our house just overflows with clothing. It's terrible. Um, so every year at Christmas and several other times, I give everyone in my family a laundry basket, and they have to fill the laundry basket. And it has to be full to the brim. They can fill 20 laundry baskets. That would be fabulous. But we are all filling a basket. So when they were little, it was more toys. And it was, they were supposed to be things that are usable that are going to go to another family. And it became fun. I mean, it was like, what can you find? You cannot put your sister's things in your laundry basket. But you can put your things. I, my, my, the children reminded me that I can put daddy's things in my laundry basket. They had to be my things. But it's a way to show that treasures are to go out as well. Um, using, you know, 
read books with your children about giving role models. Read the, fa- the parables about giving. Um, in our family, um, I have a little, one of the games we used to play was um, the parable of the lost coin, which isn't necessarily about money, and I know that, but so here we would do our parable of the lost coin, and I would come behind, I'd hide the coins around the house or in the room, and then we'd turn off the lights. And they'd have to use flashlights because, you know, the, the little lady, she is in a small hut, and she puts oil in her lamp, and so those were our flashlights. And um, the idea behind the game is just that, you know, resources are precious to God. And um, she worked long and hard to find her lost coin. So we're going to look long and hard to find the lost coin in our house, although I would hide them all, not just um, one. But teaching your kids games around the parables. Um, you could also use these, I guess, to play a game about the, the talents. And I brought you guys all goodie bags. Maybe, Holly, if you want to pass them out. So you can go home and try your little... Um, now, in the Bible, they are silver coins. Mine are gold. Um, they... I don't, I don't know what they have on them. Hopefully it's completely appropriate, whatever Latin words are. You know, they're from like Party City, and I'm thinking, I don't know Latin. My children do, but I didn't ask them. But anyway, so think about games you can play with your children to just teach them, you know, how God sees money. And, of course, in the parable of the lost coin, God's really talking about finding people who are lost not just coins, but our concrete little children get it. Okay, God has given us money. We can't find the money. We've got to hunt for God's money. And that's the lesson behind that game. Um, we, it, another thing that we do, we don't play that game anymore, which is very sad, but um, at our house we do not spend $5 bills. So, and, you know, I have teenagers, and we spend a lot of, we don't spend a lot of cash. That's the wrong thing to say, but we, you know, when you have teens, they're spending money too. But every $5 bill that passes anyone's hands in our family goes into a jar. This is God's money. And it's just a way to teach our girls and remind Barry and I that a piece of everything is God's. And so every time I get a $5 bill back, here it goes. And so then, like when Watermark, we, when Haiti happened, the earthquake, we emptied our jar and we had $900 in our jar. We couldn't believe it. We were just so shocked, but that was our last jar. Now, usually it doesn't get quite that high, but it's just a way to teach your kids, I've just touched something. You know what? It isn't all mine. That's God's. And you might want to start with quarters. I mean, you guys have little bitties, but maybe there's some way to make it very visible with them that something is God's. Um, Another piece of visible is if your kids are handling money, what I always tried to do, and always, but... Um, so let's say that they get um, 10 cents for something. I don't know. Well, I would give them nine really ugly pennies and one shiny one. And this is where the first fruits lesson comes in, which is Old Testament also. But to say, okay, sugar, let's look at those pennies and let's put a penny in your God jar. Which one would you like to put? Which is the shiniest, prettiest one that we can give to God? Okay, especially with little girls who are thinking shiny is good. I mean, the boys might, it might be harder to part with some of the dirtier, uglier ones. But to teach them the first fruits, that God really wants our best. Um, My girls really um, hated it when I moved on to paper money, and I would use the gold dollars. But the gold dollars would go in their God jar because they were special. 
and they were more special than other money, is a way to try to get the first fruit concept because it's, it's hard, that whole, you know, because we're not gardeners and we're not farmers and planters where we're picking the best peaches and those are gods and they're going to the temple. We've got to teach our kids that the best we have is the Lord's. The best, the very best, the shiniest, the prettiest, however you define best. So just some thoughts for you. Um, the other thought I have is just what I'm going to, um, that is in your handout, but is a, a fable that, um, I think fables and stories are fun, and you guys may have heard this, but this is the starfish story, and it's actually from a book called The Star Thrower, and I don't know if any of you have read that, but it's supposed to be a fabulous book. I have not. It was written a while ago. But this is the story of a um, wise man who used to go to the ocean, and one day he was walking along the shore, and he looks out, and he sees um, someone bending down and picking things up and kind of looks like they're kind of dancing and throwing them back into the ocean. And he gets a little bit closer, and he sees that the, the figure is that of a young man, and what he was doing isn't really dancing, but the young man's reaching down and picking up starfish and throwing them into the water and picking up the starfish and throwing them in. And so the old man says, you know, good morning. What, can I ask what you're doing? And the young man says, you know, I'm throwing starfish in. And the older man says, you know, I have to ask you why then? Why are you throwing starfish in the ocean? Um, asks this somewhat startled wise man. And the young man replies, the sun's up and the tide's going out, and if I don't throw them in, they're going to die. Um, and on hearing this, the wise man says, but young man, you know, there are miles of ocean. There are millions of starfish ahead of you. And the young man says, you know, or the old guy says, you can't possibly make a difference. And the young man says, as he throws one in, I just made a difference to that one. Um, so fables like that that are just stories that you can tell your kids again and again. God doesn't ask us to save the world, but he may call us to save one person or to do something nice for one person. It's the one things that we're called to do. And so teaching them a treasure can be just helping someone one time. And I like that fable. My girls have liked it um, when they've heard it in story time. But just a quick, easy type of story to teach your children that we can make a difference. And it's about making a difference one person at a time. All right, any comments about stewardship? I mean, I know you guys are probably doing lots of other stuff. I just think thinking about the whole resource, the times, the talents, and the treasures, because our society is so treasure-focused and so hoard your treasures, keep them to yourself, use and abuse and blow and go with treasures. And um, that anything you can start to do now to teach kind of that first fruits, the sharing, um, even with itty-bitties, really helps you later just build on that. Um, to have hearts that it isn't all mine. God didn't give it to me so I could, you know, go have a party every night. Um, God gave it to me to really use for his glory and to share. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's very cute. That's cute with all those diaper white containers. There we go. We could do that. be a good Sunday school activity. Yeah, you know, think creatively. Um, we did the parable of the talents with my girls. We gave them each $5 in a box at one point, and um, our focus was not for them to really make more money, but to see what treasures they actually had, and we did it when they were, I think, probably 8 and 10 or 8 and 9, and my girls bought lemonade, and they had a lemonade stand, and they made oatmeal cookies and chocolate chip cookies, and they had a 
cookie stand. And I mean, they made money using their treasures for God. And it was such a fun thing. So just, I mean, think about those great Bible stories. How can you look at treasures and how can you teach your kids? Because so many fun ways to teach them. You know, God gives us so much and um, just calls us really, um, we can make it by doing so little and we shouldn't. Right. Any other thoughts on money like that? I love the treasure box with the. Um, oh, you know we do. Um, we have always done treasure gift certificates, like for birthdays in the family and stuff. And they might be um, washing daddy's car, and because everyone can, you know, even a two or three year old can get a sponge and get out there and wash daddy's car. And so that's a treasure that my two year old has that they can share with Daddy for birthday. So to teach our kids, you don't have to spend money to buy gifts. God has given us talents that are treasures to others, and so teaching them that way. So we do a lot of um, just, you know, it might be baking cookies for someone, or it might be, you know, ten hugs if that's what they choose. But some treasure your itty-bitty can do um, that they want to. You know, drawing pictures, that's a treasure they can give to people. You know, going to visit the elderly and just visiting. But they have lots of treasures. So getting them to see, those are those are treasures, sorry, from God. Other questions or comments there? All right, well, let's kind of wrap it all up. And um, I'd like for you all to talk for a few minutes more. We have about 15 more minutes, I guess, or 10. And I'm going to give you a topic or two at your table. And I would just like you to say, okay, we have sick people and we have Sequoia Elementary in West Dallas. Okay, a watermark ministry and one that's a little more general. How could my toddler, and I'm just looking for brainstorming, how could I engage my toddler in maybe serving at Sequoia? Or doing something. I mean, is there anything? Because I just want you guys to think outside of what might be natural service areas for you. So I have your Sunday school nursery folks, and I have uh, neighbors, and I have the elderly. I won't give you all that. Uh, people with special needs, blind or people who can't walk. So how could my toddler use time, talents, treasures to serve that group? So just spend a few minutes. I'll give some of you two, some of you one, or I guess I'll give most people one, and then if you don't like yours, you can come trade it out. How about that? Where in the Bible is there Yes, I, you know what? I think it's Matthew, uh, uh, Luke 15, 8, I think, but let me double check. You guys want homeless? The hungry? How about the hungry? You guys want Sequoia? Hi, sugar. Sure, you can. Or you can just, you don't have to write. You can talk if you want. That's true. It would be probably easier. 